When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. You know what it's teaching us? It is humbling building rosters, isn't it? There's no, it's, it's hard to kind of split the middle here when you, when you do. I like it. I mean, you know, it, it makes sense. You know, yeah, you mentioned you got to send out some, you know, some more money to try to even it out a little bit here, but you're targeting those small market rebuild type teams that would not be able to get a Ben Simmons in free agency. That's your target teams. It's like what us and Darren Williams with Utah nine, 10 years ago. Like we couldn't have gotten Darren Williams in free agency. We had trade for him. Interesting comments there <laughs> from Bobby Marks, ESPN, NBA. Reckless speculation. Front office insider talking about the types of teams that would trade for Ben Simmons, I guess it would buy low on Ben Simmons. This is Mackie and Judd. Speaking of uh, mid to small market, buying low, buy some Mackie and Judd stock right now. We've got almost 6,000 subscribers on the Scornoth YouTube channel, 21,000 subscribers across Purple Daily and Scornoth YouTube channel, and uh, you guys have helped us set a bunch of audience and podcast records in the last month. So thank you guys for hanging out with us on a daily basis. Mackie Judd, executive producer, Declan Goff. And uh, gentlemen, let's get right into it. Every, every Tuesday, now it's the third week. You guys have, uh, the audience has responded well to this. Who gets it and who doesn't? Mm-hmm. And if you guys don't mind, I'd like to piggyback off of what Bobby Marks just said. Go right ahead. If you guys want to dive into a little more of uh, this. Reckless speculation. So uh, Declan's got a clip here. It's a little bit long. It's over a minute. But who gets it? Zach Lowe from ESPN.com. He understands not only that reckless speculation is a lifestyle, but he understands that sometimes things aren't just randomly thrown out into the universe, that maybe there's a little bit of an interesting connection that makes sense for Ben Simmons to the Timberwolves. Another one I made up, which I actually like this one kind of, is Minnesota for D'Angelo Russell and Malik Beasley. Now, Malik Beasley's got to come because I just don't think D'Angelo Russell's enough now, then I have to send more money out if I'm Philadelphia, which raises another point that you're probably are going to bring up is they need to turn one of these salary slots, whether it's re-signing Danny Green or Mike Scott, into like an $8 million contract just for trade purposes, just for this reason. I actually like the Russell Beasley fit around Embiid. The problem, and this would be a great segue to Utah, is if you start building this team that's like, all shooting and Joel can solve every problem on defense. And we don't care about the defense at the other positions. Utah just built that team 
and ran into an all small ball team in the Clippers. And all of a sudden, having all below average defenders around Rudy Gobert became a giant problem that Rudy Gobert could not fix. Rudy Gobert also not great in that series. We'll talk about it. But I just, the more defense you put on Embiid, the more you make it all him and nobody else. And I get you still have Thibault, I guess. It just, the, the, the more rickety it gets. I like that one though, Russell and Beasley. I mean, Simmons and Towns, Towns love shooting threes. He'll shoot two, shoot 15 a game. What are your thoughts on Ben Simmons and then something else? There'd have to be something else because Beasley makes a lot of money too. They'd have to, the Sixers would have to send something back that's like $10 million or something. Yep. Uh, but the idea of a Simmons for D'Lo Malik Beasley type thing to jolt both the Sixers and the Timberwolves. I'm intrigued by it. I guess I have some questions on the D'Lo front about if Cat would care or not. Because, I mean, he was partially brought here because of Cat. So if Cat's going to care a lot, that might be a problem internally for Gerson to deal with. He liked Ryan, too. And it's like five minutes later, he's like, oh, thank you. I'm great. sorry. I am still I am still haunted by the fact that we just watched, for as good as he can be, uh, probably in games 1 through 82 of the regular season, when they play 82, I'm still haunted by what we saw in the playoffs. And Ben Simmons for all his attributes, is a broken basketball player, and what's broke is his shot. And what do we moan and complain about in this town? Jared Culver can't shoot. You're shooting threes, and you can't shoot threes. Um, So I am still – I don't mind at all the players that we're talking about going to the Sixers, but I also right now, because of clearly recency bias – can't just get over the fact that Ben Simmons is going to be available because he melted down. Like, he doesn't just need a, if he just gets a change of scenery, it's going to be a new beginning. And the other thing that drives me crazy is, and, you know, we have seen this, guys, a ton of times, he's a July All-Star. Like, he'll go to the gym and he'll fix it, and it's all fixed. It's mental. It's mental, so it's always going to come back and creep in when when you can least afford it to. I'm not saying the Wolves are good enough to like pick and choose guys and be like, well, forget him. I am just saying what we saw was a colossal. I mean, it was a it was a um, a, a fire. It was a dumpster fire, right? It was a complete dumpster fire of a series. And I don't know that I could just get past that and say it's going to be fine because I am thoroughly convinced when the going gets tough, Ben Simmons is just going to stink in, so, key, in key places. I hear you, but we're talking about like I get that the Wolves look good in the last month of the season, but their primary issue remains their three best players go to sleep at night thinking about offense, wake up in the morning thinking about offense, have lunch thinking about offense, take a nap in the afternoon thinking about offense. And Ben Simmons, so I, I just think Ben Simmons would bring two things. And I'm not denying every like anything you just said there, like everything you said is true. He melted down in the playoffs. He had uh, the free throw yips. But I think he would be a great complement to really like any of the three players, Cat, D'Lo, and Ant, in that those guys are offensive-minded, ball-centric players. They need to take 50, each of them really needs to take like 15 to 20 shots per night. They all like to have the ball in their hands and controlling things on the perimeter. Uh, Ben Simmons is the ultimate Swiss Army Knife player in that he can impact games as one of the best uh, perimeter defenders in the league. He's a great off-the-ball defender. He's one of the best cutters. Um, He's just one of the best sort of, um, like I said, Swiss Army Knife ninja players. He rebounds. He makes other guys better by passing. He gets to the hoop more than almost any player in the NBA. He does all of these things that complement Cat, complement Ant, and D'Lo. I think you'd have to send D'Lo out 
to uh, complete this transaction. But um, I just think I think he fits very, very well with Cat and Ant. I think he's better than D'Lo right now and will be for the next five years, despite all of those flaws the judges talked about. And I love that like we woke up this morning and Kendrick Perkins on ESPN is talking about this. You got uh, Bobby Marks didn't say the Timberwolves, but he's basically alluding to Timberwolves, Portland, those like mid to small market teams that aren't going to attract free agents. They have to trade for him. And Zach Lowe, like there's definitely smoke here. And I'll give you one other one, okay? Daryl Morey is the general manager of the Philadelphia 76ers, and Gerson Rosas was his right-hand man for years in Houston. Mm -hmm. Those two guys are as tight as any GM combo or, I guess, president to basketball operations combo in the league. When you look across sports, you always look at those connections, like Brad Childress liked to swing deals with Philadelphia, right? Uh, In Major League Baseball, you see it. I mean, Kevin McHale used to trade everyone to Danny Ainge. You find those little connections, guys that you know personally – and you talk more often with, and I just think there's a lot of stars aligning here for a buy-low situation on Ben Simmons. And Zach Lowe talking about it uh, makes me feel even more confident that these conversations will happen behind the scenes. Here's my question when it comes to the Wolves, too, and it's a fair question. I think if we're talking about this in in a improving your roster right now for the regular season, Ben Simmons, for all the reason you uh, just gave, Phil, does help you out. Um I think this also comes to interpretation of how you want to look at your franchise, right? Because if you want to say regular season, you know what? I mean, we've we've been a joke for a long time. This guy's going to come in, play defense. And you know what? My guess is the shooting stats uh, in January are fine. They're not great, but they're fine. So do you want to look at it like that? Or do you want to project potential? And this is a, an, this is a question, not a statement. Do you want to project potential long-term success and you're going to be in the playoffs? Because I can pretty much guarantee you if he gets back to the playoffs, he's going to melt down. Like, this is mental now. But, so it's hard to get around that. So so not a statement. Again, just an observation. I think part of this depends on sort of what piece of the pie you're going after. And if you're going after, let's just get to the playoffs, be a successful team for the Wolves in the regular season, this makes a lot more sense than saying eventually we're going to be really good, hopefully, and this guy is going to melt down. But he, but Judd, he's like the Draymond. He's like a he's he's actually like a rich man's Draymond in some ways. He's a poor man's Draymond in other ways. And that Draymond is just a dog. Like Draymond is one of the most fiery competitive players. Right. Um, people criticize Ben Simmons for maybe not maybe he doesn't display as much emotion or whatever. But when you get late in a game with the Warriors. And now when they had Kevin Durant, then Draymond was was bumped even further down the who's going to take a shot pecking order. But, you know, and I am not comparing at all in any way the dynasty Golden State Warriors to the Timberwolves. But if Ben Simmons came over here to the Wolves, your late game pecking order of who takes shots is Ant and Cat first and foremost. And Ben would be there to get those guys looks and to, and, and to do some of the dirty work in and around them and to play great defense. And, and turn the ball over on the perimeter and start fast breaks. Like, that's his role. I think you're thinking of it in terms of, oh, my God, if he's got the ball in his hands, like he's there's ways to sort of get around that. Yeah, I mean, but, Shaq, Sha- Shaq couldn't hit free throws in finals games either. Right, but Shaq But he was so great leading up to. Shaq and Draymond weren't mentally broken, and this guy is, and that's what concerns me. He's a, men- he's a mental mess, and that then that's where I get concerned. And I also don't like in 2021 punting on shooting for guys, because if defenses can just slack off and say, well, you know what? He can't shoot. I mean, we've seen it. Ricky, it's, it, he's no threat. 
Like, he's zero threat. And then he does shoot, and my God, it's a brick. So I am fine with it if it's a player who has shortcomings and almost doesn't care but because he brings intangibles and different things. And Simmons does that. But mentally, when you're as messed up as he appears to be, that's what concerns me because it seems to be a continuing theme, I think, in the most important time of the year that he shrinks a lot. And here's my other, here's my secondary concern from a mental standpoint, too. I don't know that I like this team. If if you've got a guy like Ben who's like, oh, my God, it's the playoffs. What's going to happen? I'm going to, you know, I, I got to call my parents. I, I don't know what to do. And And then you got Towns, who's not exactly mentally wired tough. Ant might be, but I just I want as many to to use your term dogs as possible. Like what I love about Draymond is he'll kick your ass. He'll kick your ass up and down the floor, and that's a fantastic thing. I want yeah. those guys. And and I just think when you get to the playoffs in any sport, this is true of basketball, hockey, baseball, football, um, you need people who are who have that dog mentality. And the more you add collections of what are basically nice rotisserie slash fantasy league players who put up stats but are just mentally weak, I don't know that that's the greatest formula for real success. Uh, yeah, I mean, those are all fair. I think I think you actually just nailed my, my biggest concern isn't that he can't hit an outside shot, like the free throw thing was concerning in the playoffs. It's more, all right, Ben Simmons and Carl Anthony Towns are the two poster boys. Like, those are the two guys that Jimmy Butler... Yeah. And Joel Embiid text about the most, right? Can you believe this p word, right? I mean these yes. these guys are soft. Like you know, you know those guys are just ripping Ben Simmons and Carl Anthony Towns up and down. And so the question then becomes: Are Embiid and and uh, Butler just sort of cancerous figures behind the scenes that overproject their tough guy image? And they really neither one of them have really done anything. They've never won a championship, right? Yeah. Um, or are they right? And Cat and Ben Simmons are just soft, and you put them together, and it'll just be the Charmin Timberwolves, right? Yeah, like right. that's a legitimate. That's what, con- and that's what concerns me because the playoffs kick your ass. They do. Playoffs. Well, the regular season kicked their ass for the last eighteen and nineteen years. <laughs> yeah, that's so, a good so point. Touche, uh, Declan. Uh, that, that's that's touche. I feel like I feel like Judd is like five steps down the road, and Declan and I are like, can we just get to a play? Yeah, playoff? Playoff? Yeah, I know what that, you know what, if that's what you seat? want, then go get them. <laughs> then go the get them. I'm not stopping you. I I, I like the trade. I'll give up both those guys in a second. Uh, by the way, speaking of uh, <sighs> speaking of wolves, I got to tell you, you know Matthew Wolf is a very good golfer. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you guys well, are familiar. Yeah, he was good this weekend. Yeah, uh, he yeah he kind of he's had a rough year and then yeah. he kind of came back. He finished I think top twenty, and uh, you'll be able to see Matthew Wolf. Pretty sure they haven't announced the full field yet, but he won it a couple years ago at the 3M Open, which is open to fans this year. Whether you're a fan of a specific golfer or just a fan of being outside or maybe a fan of holding. An adult beverage in your hand while you watch guys hit bombs Me. across TPC Twin Cities. Oh, good for uh, you. <laughs> July 19th through the 25th at TPC oh. Twin Cities, the 3M Open is open to fans, and they want to see you out there. 3MOpen.com slash tickets. 3MOpen.com slash tickets. All right, who gets it, who doesn't? All right. Yesterday, Carl Nassib, Raiders. Comes out, and, and I love this. I love this. He does an Instagram, so he doesn't, like, go to SI or ESPN. He comes out and and puts out an Instagram saying, I'm coming out as gay. Uh, does it as matter-of-fact as possible. And I saw um, the replies were, you know, hopefully someday this does not have to happen. And you know what? I agree with all of those things. But, Phil, 
How long have we been waiting for an active player who, by the way, is good? How long have we been waiting for an active player who is a key part of his team to do this? So, like, yes, I agree. I agree with the expressing the sentiment that, you know what, at some point in time, this should be a non-story. But right now, this is a huge story. And for this guy, because he's a good player, for this guy to come out and do this and do it matter-of-factly, like not with, uh, here's my story, he just comes out and says it and the reasons why. Do you realize what a huge step this is? Like, this is the step towards people because there is no way that pro sports had before yesterday had no active gay players. It's it's I, it's statistically impossible. I mean, I can almost promise you statistically that anywhere between, I don't know, two and four, maybe 5%, maybe more yeah, fine. of active NFL players and NBA players are probably gay. But Like just looking at statistics in the country, right? And he just opened the door for a lot of people to be comfortable. And it seemed like the feedback he got was, you know, pretty good. Like it was not... It, I'm sure that there were a lot of objectionable tweets back and stuff, but it seemed like there was also a lot of support and positivity, which there should be. But I just, I want to point out that in my mind, yesterday was an enormous step because it empowers a lot of people who probably needed this one person to come out and say, I'm gay. Yeah, I think it's awesome, too, that he donated $100,000 to the Trevor Project, uh, which provides life-saving crisis services to reach more than 1.8 million LGBTQ youth who seriously consider suicide every year in the United States. Um, I actually, you know, I had a different, since you brought this up, I had a different angle on this. I put this in the who doesn't get it category. And who doesn't get it? NFL culture. And I want to tell you, it's pretty amazing that it took until 2021 for there to be an openly gay, active NFL player. Now, Michael Sam from Mizzou, the defensive end, he was the defensive player of the year, I think, in the SEC uh, like six or seven years ago. But he was like a sixth or a seventh-round draft pick. He didn't play. And yeah. he just like his combine. like he, You could argue that he was a borderline backup defensive lineman in the NFL that mm-hmm. didn't get a roster spot because teams hate distractions, right? Mm-hmm. Got to get rid of distractions. Uh, but I just can't imagine being gay in a profession with so much toxic masculinity. I mean, let's face it. Look around the NFL, like the players, the coaches. The Vikings had a coach, Mike Prefer. And these are Chris Cluey's accusations. Um, and so I, I, this quote is from Chris Cluey's account of what Mike Prefer said. But you literally have coaches in the NFL that are saying things like, round up all the gays, send them to an island, and nuke it until it glows. And then we sit here, and like, our first instinct is nobody would say, I mean, no one's that evil, right? Nobody would say something like that. Well, why do you think it took until 2021 for there to be someone comfortable enough to come out and say, yeah, I'm active NFL player in my prime. I'm 28 years old, yep. and I am gay, right? If it was such an inviting, inclusive, open environment, oh. this would have happened 20 years ago. Yeah. So I just think, like, in the... I, Carl Nassib gets it. Who doesn't get it? NFL culture. Slow clap for it taking until 2021. And by the way, the other sports, we could say the same thing about some of the other sports, too. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. That was my... I just love the it. fact. I absolutely love the fact that a current good player did this because this was what had to, to happen. And you know what? Now, this is not... So, so Sam was a weird one because he was coming into the league. And, it's you know, I mean, that's going to be tough. Uh, what I like about this is this is a guy who said, screw it. I'm going to tell people I'm gay. 
Um, and I don't think that this is a distraction now because, like, if I'm him, I'm not doing 18 stories a day on this. I'm going to be like, I'm gay. You know, I I'll mean, bet you his teammates already knew. I'll yeah. bet you he's been in the league for a long time. I bet you his teammates. But the point is, knew. like Sam, because he was young, you know, people immediately flocked to him a draft pick, and you uh, came out and blah blah blah. Uh, in this case, I think this, I think this should be a very quick story. And this is, but this is why I really like the fact that he went to Instagram and did this, right? As opposed, as opposed to SI and a huge story, and then you know a bunch of papers and websites try and write the same. Story. This was just a matter of fact. Hey, here's the situation, and and you really hope that this can now empower guys who are gay to come out and be like, yeah, I'm gay. Okay, that's it. All right, Declan, who gets it, who doesn't? All right, for me, who gets it? Uh, I'm going to go back to Target Field last night, and it was another great outing for him, and it could even set up for something else down the road for maybe another team. But Taylor Rogers absolutely gets it. After a kind of wacky, weird 2020 where he allowed a lot of hits, but his underlying statistics said he was better than he was, has bounced back this season to be their Twins' best reliever in baseball. He's one of the best lefties in the game. Ever since, really, he's come into the league, the dude has racked up strikeouts and gotten better and more powerful each year. He had a big outing again last night. Um, Even, I believe, David Schoenfield from ESPN said he could be the most valuable trade trip for the Twins at the MLB trade deadline this year, considering um, he's a very shutdown power lefty reliever. So I, in my opinion, Taylor Rogers absolutely gets it. He's been their fireman all season. Um, I know Rocco Baldelli still uses pitchers in a very weird way sometimes, but Taylor Rogers absolutely gets it for the Twins. I thought you were going shoe there. I thought no, you were I gonna, wasn't going to go the shoe. I thought maybe Matt Shoemaker gets I, you, it. A couple I couldn't lights make it. out innings last I, night. I might make a case he still doesn't get it uh, because he might have been, uh, yeah, just uh, using just maybe maybe a little extra, a little a little, little right. zip on the ball. Well, there. since you brought it, I did notice last night that <laughs> shoe. Uh, it's very it's very common for pitchers going back many years, even for night games, to load up their forearms with sunscreen. You guys remember Clay Buckholtz, that Red oh, Sox yes. pitcher from a while back? Yes, he had the kind of the long, like he had like the greasy hair <sighs> that he would go to, and uh, he was I think he was pitching at Tropicana Field, an indoor night game, and his forearms were just glistening with sunscreen, <laughs> and it was mm-hmm. so obvious that. Uh, the umpire had to come out and be like, "Dude, what? <laughs> like, there's a roof. You can't, you can't." And, you, and so I did notice Shu was uh, strategically going to his forearm a few times last night, either for sweat or for something. But you know what? The umpires checked him after both innings and deemed that lights out, diving, split fingered fastball you were throwing, just ridiculous stuff, was all on the up and up last night. So good for Shu. I think the umpires have no interest. In doing this too, like it's so funny, where they like they mosey on over to the baseline that the pitcher is uh, coming off of it as he goes to his dugout, and it's just embarrassing. Like the guy hands over his hat, and the umpires look. Although I will say this, I never saw a forearm check. So like if you've got it up your sleeve a little bit or something, they yeah. ain't they ain't getting it. They're they're checking belts at times. They're checking hands. They're checking gloves and hats. So, like, if you put a little bit up your jersey or something, then and I, honest to God, don't think they care. Like, I think that this is another <laughs> assignment. They've, you've got to enforce this. They're like, we have been yeah. enforcing this for 75 years. The, the other thing to watch, too, and I, I've, I've just heard these stories throughout my life covering baseball as a writer and whatnot, but uh, guys will sometimes put, because, you know, the uniforms are, are white, light-colored, especially the home ones. And so guys will put, I don't know whether it's like Vaseline or whatever, but like there's different places on your body 
that you can just like put a little goo of something that won't be visible to the eye unless someone comes up and yes. like touches it. So sometimes you'll see yeah. there was a picture last night. I don't have to throw names out, but there was a picture last night that kept going back to the same spot on the back right pant leg of his uniform. And my first thought was, that's interesting. He's either wiping off sweat <laughs> in the same spot every time. Nobody or he was might, sweating maybe he, last night. Maybe he's got a little something on the back of it his. It was uh, chilly last night. There was nobody sweating. So if you see glistening forearms, yeah, they might yeah. be working up a little bit of a lather, but they're also probably still using some sunscreen and, you know, whatever. I, I also mean, don't think that they are going to crack down on guys who suck for the most part. So, like, if you're <laughs> the like, shoe, shoe. What's your like, yard? Seven? Dude, like, just, this is a, let's you're be good. very clear. This is an attempt to get Trevor Bauer. Like, that's who Manfred wants to get. Yeah. That's the big fish, right? The shoe ain't the big fish. Like, like well, but, he the, is, but that's the thing. But they uh, don't. But but baseball shouldn't. Be, this is the this is the ridiculous thing. I'm with you, baseball baseball shouldn't yes. be looking to tar and feather its most marketable players publicly. This is something that they have allowed to happen and boil over, just like steroids back in the nineties. Right. This is baseball's problem. And if they're going to put Garrett Cole and Trevor Bauer on a mantle and say, "Oh, we gotcha," it's like, no, you allowed this to happen for years. Fix it behind the scenes so you can still market these great players. Like, they just cannibalize themselves. Manfred has been mocked by Bauer at every turn, rightfully so. It's hysterically funny, and he is a vindictive guy. He wants to get him. I guarantee he wants to get him. So if the shoe puts a bunch of glop on his head, no one's going to care. The shoe. All right. If the shoe fits. I got another. All right, Judd, who gets it, who doesn't? Okay. This does not have to do with the Buxton thing last night, but the guy who does not get it when it comes to injuries is Rocco Baldelli. And let me give you three, and and I know that Royce went with a Doc Rock thing, which is hilariously funny and accurate, but let me give you three recent examples in like the last month or so of of just the overprotective. He he is, do you know what Rocco is? You've heard of helicopter parents. He's a helicopter manager. Three examples of late. All right, like three weeks ago, Tyler Duffy does something. Oh, he like stretches out sort of weird, like he's got a little bit of a something. I don't know, but it's nothing. Rocco and a trainer bolt out to the mound. Duffy starts laughing. He's like, why are you out here? They're like, ah, you're, you're hurt. Aren't you hurt? Um, so there's that one. Then recently in the last couple of weeks, Barrios literally tried to wave them off because they couldn't wait. They saw something. Couldn't wait to get out there. Then on uh, uh, the game over the weekend in Texas that Kenta Maeda started, Kenta jumps up to field a ball and actually makes a really nice play. And he comes down a little bit weird, but I mean nothing, nothing that you would think of. I didn't think twice about it. And before I know it, here comes Doc Rock, the <laughs> interpreter, and the trainer. And and I told Pat on Unchained, they should give Baldelli like a siren on top of his hat to put on, so when he's running out, it's like an ambulance coming out. Uh, Rocco, these are professional athletes. Unless a man is obviously hurt or, like, I mean, down on the ground, stay in the dugout, dude. Stay in the dugout. He's trying to make sure his guys are are feeling good, 100% healthy, okay? He's literally running out of the dugout. Maeda started, just like Duffy, started laughing at him. Well... Maybe the twins need some insurance. I don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. the tw- maybe the twins need a little woo, risk management. Woo, woo. That's what they need. Twins need a little risk management in their lives. From our friends at Federated Mutual Insurance Company, they've been helping business owners for over a hundred years in the state of Minnesota. 
based in Owatonna. They are one of us. And you can find out more about how Federated can help you during these summer months. It's it's a summer storm season uh, for probably the next three months or so in the state of Minnesota. And there can be electrical outages, things that can derail parts of your business. Full resources available, federatedinsurance.com. Remember, Federated, it's our business to protect yours. Let's do one more. Who wants it? Who, who gets it? Who doesn't? Uh, I'll, I'll go with who doesn't, and it's just baseball's pace of play. My God, dude. What, what, did we get 12 innings in last night? Was it 12 or 13? Uh, 12. Yeah, 12. 12. 12. Yeah. And it was felt, the felt like longest 13. game by time since the end of 2019. It took five-plus hours to play 12 innings of baseball where there was only five, you know, ten runs scored going in to the to the twelfth inning before the walk off happened from Miguel Sano, just my God, I I I actually watched full full admission, watched The Bachelor from seven to nine p.m. Turned on the Twins game at nine oh five, and I still got three hours plus of a baseball game because the baseball gods take so long to finish the game these days. So baseball pace of play, man. So in uh, all three of us are lifelong diehard baseball fans, but. I want you to compare what we saw last night. And again, it's the Reds and the Twins, not exactly a who's who of teams that are going to be competing for a World Series title. Um, Compare that product just from an entertainment standpoint to what we saw, for instance, in these Game 7s in the NBA where teams are just going back and forth and fighting, right? Uh, I don't know, Major League Baseball's product, they were literally on Bally Sports North last night in extra innings. They were scanning the crowd and showing people that were still there. Everyone was just like either half asleep or yawning or like, this is a tie game. It's it's it, the, right. the intensity should be cranked up. This is this, you know, think like late in an NFL game overtime or late in a basketball game or a hockey overtime. Right. I think people are just yawning in the stands during those moments. No. All no, right. No. OK, you two. The Cincinnati Reds employed a five-man infield not once but twice in the same game. Do you know how many times that's been done in baseball history? I would say the last team to do it, probably the Cleveland Spiders, all right? I like that. So if you two can't appreciate the nuances that we saw from the big red machine last night against the Twins, and by the way, where the hell did all the Reds fans come from? There were a lot of Reds fans at Target Field. Here's the other ridiculous thing, okay? And I get the baseball. It's like, oh, every, there's like a, there's a different glove for every position, and I totally get that. Oh, you're not going to rip. But, ca- oh, so we're we're, we're going to bring Nick Castellanos, and there's a deep drive to left yeah, by Nick Castellanos, so, and my career is over. So and Nick sorry. Castellanos comes in twice because <laughs> mm-hmm. he used to play in. He used to be a third baseman, right? So when yeah, they not a five man infield, yes. they call on Nick Castellanos, deep drive to left, and we got to stop the game. The manager's got to come out with his infield glove. Give him the infield I glove. The, um, then the um, the umpires have to check the glove, like check his hat for whatever reason. I don't know. Did they check for um, Castellanos? They did the second time. They did, and well, I don't know if the it's hell because, would he like, have. Maybe he could be visiting the mound, and a pitcher could get a little substance from Nick Castellanos's mm. other glove. But like we literally, can you imagine in another sport? All right, so uh, we're gonna. We're gonna have to. Uh, we're gonna move this cornerback back to safety, or uh, we're gonna we're gonna take this running back and move him out of the backfield, and he's gonna play a slot wide receiver for this next play. But he needs a different pair of gloves because when when he takes a handoff, it's a different pair of gloves than if you were to catch a pass. So everyone, if we could just stop the game for a second, I gotta admit I enjoyed while, it. While the coach runs out with a new glove, I enjoyed like, it. No, if you're gonna put an outfielder in the infield. That's the risk you take. He has to use the glove that he's currently wearing, which isn't that much different. Okay, like you're a fifth infielder for God's sakes. Just use your outfield glove and figure it out. I sort of enjoy it. 
We've been out here for five hours. Oh, nope, sorry, the manager's got another glove for Nick Castellanos. You know Nuance God. of the game. Nuance of the game. Okay, <laughs> so I figured it, it, it out last night as we crossed the five-hour threshold, though. I've got it. So instead of this whole thing where you, let's not put the man on second until the 12th because there are people who actually want that, which I don't like. I like the man on second. I'm fine with it. Me okay. Too. I'd um, start it in the fifth inning at okay. this rate. I've got another I've got another one to expedite the end of games. Once you get to the twelfth, sudden death. Whoever scores first wins. Well, that's a huge disadvantage. That's a humongous disadvantage, yeah. That's, I know, but I don't care. Do you would have can't do I that. don't care. <laughs> that's, sudden that's death. Sudden death. No, one team literally can't score. Like only one, but team it's the has old National Football League rule. If I win the coin toss and I drive down and I kick a field goal, well, right now, if I win the coin toss and I go down the field and score a touchdown, game over. You, you don't get the ball. Yeah, Huge but at least I could get I could get a pick six and score myself on defense. Well, you could also you get three outs before the run score. scores. You could also get three outs before the run scores. <laughs> if you guys well, heard- let me propose a, a, a middle ground solution. I think Alex Cora with the Red Sox came up with this. I saw somebody tweet this last night. Oh, so good. he's saying runner on second to start the tenth. Mm-hmm. Then runners on first and second to start the 11th, and then the bases loaded to start the 12th. Okay, that's cool too. Yes. Let's get on with it. Because the sack fly get scores them. Have you guys heard of this banana ball in the, uh, in the collegiate summer leagues in Savannah? No. The Savannah Bananas. Yeah, the Savannah Bananas. Here's some of the one rules. Of the, one of the great minor league hats, by the way. Oh, and a great, great name. Yeah, you exactly. The rules for the banana ball. Yeah. They're quirky. Ready for this? Yeah. You step out of the batter's box to strike. If you attempt to bunt, it's an ejection. <laughs> Mound visits are prohibited. Games are two hours. Games are just Over two hours. Over soccer? Yep. Okay, so we're putting a clock on it. If a fan Dude. catches a foul ball, it's an out. <laughs> it counts. Hitters can steal first base on a wild pitch at any point in an at-bat. Yeah, I think somebody had that a few years ago, right? Each inning exists as its own entity, a match play style format where scores reset for the top half of each frame, preventing huge blowouts and creating the possibility of nine walk-offs. The first team to take five innings wins the game. And this one is my favorite, the walks. Walks are an event. After the fourth ball, a batter begins sprinting around the bases, and the defense can't do anything until all nine of its players touch the baseball, producing a mad scramble that usually results in either a double or a rundown. What? I just want to see. I this. want to see it too. How can we see this? I want to see Dude, it. Too. I I love this, but here, you know, so obviously those are just re- like ridiculous, and I, I love that they're doing it. Baseball needs to think of things not quite that radical, but they need to think of some radical things. Because what we've been watching, like these four and five get, hour games, it's yeah, like you, you wonder one. why, dude. Last night I was I was live tweeting during the game, and like at one point I tweeted something about um, Rocco. I think what happened was Rocco pinch hit Josh Donaldson for Nick Gordon with first base open. They just intentionally walk Donaldson to get to Larnick. So he basically wanted to go. F- he wanted Nick Gordon to not have the at bat because he swings at breaking balls in the dirt, yep. and he wanted either Donaldson or Larnick to hit. And I, you know, I said. That's kind of a genius move. You know, we got like four likes or something. And my next tweet was, "Am I the only person watching this game right now?" <laughs> like, like nobody's watching these games. Literally, like there's yeah. like twelve people watching these these games right now. Maybe the Valley Sports North ratings would show differently. But like, how do you get people? How do you how do you promote a five hour baseball game? Well, you don't. You just can't. You can't go five hours. So, like, you can for my purposes, right. but you can't do that. There is no twenty five year old. 
male or female worth their salt who is going to sit there and watch that entire game. No. They're just not. Sorry. You're saying you enjoyed the five hours? I actually enjoyed last night's game. It had a lot of weird stuff. It wasn't really well played, but it was fun to watch. And look, I, I there's a lot of weird baseball things I enjoy. But I'm fifty one. Like I'm not the norm. So it's not it's not like, oh, I think the game is thriving. It's not thriving. But I'm sorry. When you have not once but twice five man infields, that, that's near and dear to my heart right there. Oh my God, dude, stop. Just stop. <laughs> Let the pitchers hit, too, Phil. Let the pitchers hit. So, well, uh, all right, let's let's get into this Buxton, uh, the newest injury. Our Talking Twins discussions presented by our friends at Dennis Kirk. Dennis Kirk is here for riding season. They've got you covered with 160,000 parts and accessories in stock. Whatever you ride, Harley, uh, Metric Cruiser, Sport Bike, you'll find what you need at DennisKirk.com. And here's the cool thing. If you order by 8 p.m., they're so great and fast with shipping. They'll ship the same day, and shipping is free for orders over $89. So uh, get into DennisKirk.com and uh, all of the accessories and parts that you may need, clothing and helmets as well. When the open road calls, head to DennisKirk.com. They ship today. So uh, he took a pitch off the wrist, and, of course, everyone's holding their breath. He's just a – I mean, he's just – He's an attractor for 95-mile-an-hour pitches and walls and concussions. and But he goes out and plays the outfield the next inning. Like, all right, so can't be that bad. He went out there. And the final out of the fifth inning, he's coming in. It's a sort of a sinking looper, and he's running forward to his left, and he catches the fly ball. I think it was kind of a kind of one of those Andrew Jones catches, like up by his chest, right? So his wrist was kind of tweaked when he caught nice, it. It was a nice play, yep. And the cameras cut away. You know, they show the score and cut away. But as they're cutting away, you saw him wince. And I remember texting you guys, oh, man, he winced as they were going to commercial break there. And sure enough, he comes out of the game. And it's called a boxer's fracture. And according to the Internet, now Rocco was like, "Uh, could be weeks, could be months, could be sooner, could be later. (laughs) Could be be forever. Could be back tomorrow. We don't really know. Might be a week. According to the internet, it's like a three to six week healing process for this thing, and then baseball activities, and then a rehab stint. So, yes, we're definitely looking at. I mean, best case scenario here is like a month and a half, probably more like two months by the time Byron Buxton comes back. So, add it to the list. Yeah. So, for how long did we talk about? Hey, Byron, you got to stop crashing the fences, stop diving for balls. Like at times, it's fine, but there's there's times that you have to preserve yourself because you're such a valuable player. And I don't think we ever blamed him for being hurt, but we but we expressed caution as to how he could avoid it. I'm done with that. I, I mean, the last two times that the Reds have come here in the last two years, Buxton's been hit in the head, which nobody is like, he was too close to the plate. No, he just got hit in the head. And then last night, again, he gets hit. I mean, there's nothing he can do. I, I am now to a point of feeling empathy for him completely, but it goes two ways. One is I feel terrible for this guy because he's an exciting player. He's a great player. I mean, he's finally put it all together, uh, and now he's basically going to miss the rest of the season. Uh, But I also feel bad for us. I feel bad for fans because this is an unbelievable talent who we are just continually robbed of seeing. And every time, I mean, look at what this guy can do. And he came back this time. On so his first game back was Saturday, Texas. 
and you could tell the hip bugged him still. Like, you could tell it hurt. Like, he was still fast as hell, yes, but there were times where there was a definite hitch there. But, man, he was not going to come out now. Once he talked his way in on Saturday, that guy was going to stay in it no matter what, which is why I'm sure he was in a ton of pain after being hit on the wrist by the pitch that he stayed in because Rocco and the trainer, I think, wanted to take him out, and he was just like, I'm not going to come out until he caught the ball that you talked about, Phil. So I'm at the point now of complete empathy because I don't know what else can be done here. I have no suggestions. Like, there's no... There's no cure. The only thing that I find frustrating now, and I'm sure it's a small contingent, but because they're on Twitter, they come off as loud, as are the people now who are like, look at how fragile he is. He can't. It, folks, this is not his fault. Like, he wants to play. He is not a he is not a guy who is sitting out because he can. He manages to get really hurt. I don't know how, but this isn't just a, this isn't just a okay talent. Like, Miguel Sano's failures until last night, of course. Um, you know, I called that by the way. You did, and that is too bad <laughs> because he can hit home runs, and when he's going well, he's a fun player. But if Miguel Sano quits playing today, I just say that's too bad, and that's it. Byron Buxton has a tool set that very few people on this planet who elect to play baseball have, and the fact he can't demonstrate it, and the fact that I don't blame him one bit, absolutely stinks. I'm looking at I me. Mean, I, I don't even know how this is possible. Like I'm looking at a list of his injury history going into this season, going into this. Se- so this season, what, what's the list this season? It's hip. I guess it's hip wrist. He got but he sick. Missed time. He got sick early in the season and missed a couple games. Cause he got like the flu. But didn't he also like, I think he also missed a week with something other than the flu too. Like a, there was some he other. Might have. That sounds, that sounds familiar. Yeah. I think you're right. Last year, concussion symptoms, left shoulder injury, and a sprained left foot, 21 games missed. Mm -hmm. 2019, wrist contusion, concussion, left shoulder dislocation, labrum surgery, 75 games missed. 2018, migraines, fractured toe, and a strained wrist, 134 games missed. 2017, groin strain, migraines, 22 games missed. He also had a couple other issues before 2017. And it's like... I don't even know what you do. I mean, he's a free agent after next year. When when he's on the field the last few years, this is nuts, okay? Going back to 2019, uh, the Twins in 2000, you guys can do some math on this maybe, but the, the in games in which he plays in, okay, mm-hmm. the Twins in 2019 were 62-25. and 25. Last year they were 26-13. and 13. This year they're just a little under 500 when he plays. They're uh they're 12 and 14. And so when you add all that up, 26, Karen, that's that's 88. They're they're 100. This is nuts. 38, 152. They are 152 as a team when he plays in a game going back to the beginning of 2019. I mean, he is you know when when I say he's the best player in baseball, it's like 10% tongue-in-cheek, but 90% like he takes away outs that nobody yeah. else takes away in center field. He he gains extra bases on the base. He turns loopers into the outfield into doubles on a regular basis, and now he's hitting for power, too, and he's getting on base at a higher clip. Like he is the – and Mike Trout is a Hall of Famer, and Shohei Otani – actually, Shohei Otani, because he's a great pitcher, too, uh, is probably the most impactful player, and he plays all the time, too. 
But Byron Buxton, like, name me a player that has more of an impact up and down. 152 since the beginning of 2019. And that's why it's so hard to just write him off. Like, a lot of people are just like, well, just trade him for anything. I mean, dude, when he's – like, I'll take him for 80 games if he's going to – if the Twins are going to win two out of every three games that he plays in. Like, it's worth having him for 80 games. So I'm not just going to give him away for nothing. But what do you do? But it's so frustrating as a fan of baseball because he's the exact type of player baseball needs. Like this is the type of guy that you'll watch for all you know, for all the plotting power hitting guys or, you know, nice players but not great players. This is yeah. the this is like a basketball player playing baseball. This is the skill set that you want to see, and he does everything now. Like he is finally here here's the maddening thing. If he hadn't put it all together, I'd be like, this is really too bad. And that was my stance previously, right? Because he de- he definitely has been for years now a difference maker in center field. There are things he did well on, on the base paths. He caused problems. But you know what? The play, it was still sort of a struggle. It's not now. This guy can do everything now. And and this is if baseball didn't have its head up its rear end, this is the type of player that you would market if he could play. This is the exact type of, come watch Byron Buxton. Byron Buxton is the type of player who kids would watch and be like, oh, holy cow, baseball's fun to watch now because this guy's phenomenal. And he can't stay healthy. And I and to be clear, I don't blame him. It's just a phenomenal run of, I don't know what it is, finding ways to get hurt. And, and the thing is, he legitimately gets hurt. And yeah. I give him a ton of credit. This guy came back this time, and I'm telling you, played with a bad hip, still ran his ass off, and didn't look right. Like, there were a lot of times at the end he, he would sort of slow up, and you could tell he, he'd hop or something. So, like, you could tell. He basically said, screw it, I'm playing. And he gets hit by another bleeping pitch. Yeah. It's just absolutely uh, one of the saddest things in sports to watch because the payoff here should be so high, and we just can't get it. It, it stinks. And I put out last night, and it wasn't the same because this guy wasn't as, like, minor league pedigree wasn't the same number one prospect it reminds me of like when Grady Sizemore came up with Cleveland and was just unbelievable like seriously so so good from his age 22 to 25 seasons and then he had a back injury I think that really just derailed things it was like multiple back injuries he was he he actually made a nice valiant comeback like four or five years later and was able to like you know quote-unquote resurrect his career but from like 2005 to 2008 Grady Sizemore was probably the best center fielder five tool in baseball and then he hit a cliff at 26 and was never, ever the same player ever again. He was just battled these injuries, never got back to that promise. And it reminds me of Buxton, a guy who, yeah, wasn't as dominant as Grady was when he first came in the league. But when he was healthy and on the field, he contributed to an insane, uh, a very, very good Cleveland Indians team for a long time. And you're robbed of that talent. And it's it's been tough to see, man. It really stinks. 152 when that dude plays. Yeah. Think about that. Yep. Oh, and that's nuts. And it, it was a hamstring that cost him four games as well this Can't year. So it yeah, was illness, hamstring, hip, and now a hand. Man. Well, anyway, Mrs. Lincoln. We're gonna win. Twins. Sad. Sad. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, every uh, every Tuesday, mm-hmm. Declan goes back into the archives of Minnesota sports team history and attempts to pull one over on oh. old Mackie and Judd here. We call this Random Season Recall. 
presented by our friends at PXG Minneapolis. Uh, PXG, man, they've got this amazing, amazing store out at Southdale Center, and you can find some of the best clubs, the Gen 4 clubs, the 0 to 11. They've got clubs at multiple different price points. You can test them out, um, and you can check out all the new spring and summer apparel as well. PXG has just sort of turned itself into a really fun golf brand, if you will. So if you like fun and you like golf (laughs) and you think you want to hang out inside of a golfer's paradise, PXG Minneapolis and Southdale Center and find out more at pxg.com slash Minneapolis. All right, what do you got for random season All right. recall today, I think Declan? I think Judd can help. This might be a Macadac uh, special here. Nice. 2002-2003 <laughs> oh, Minnesota yeah, Timberwolves. Oh, yeah, put all the pressure on Phil. I like it. Yep. yep. Get it. So we're going to go 02-03 Minnesota Timberwolves on this edition of okay. random season recall. So this is the year before. This was like the last year before they finally said, all right, let's get some actual good players around <laughs> Kevin Garnett. This is before Sprewell and Cassell arrived on the scene, so it's still pretty obscure. It is. Let's uh, let's start with this question: How many wins did the two thousand two two thousand three Timberwolves finish with? <laughs> so old this was. Nail it. I remember this was a year where they played the Lakers in the playoffs. I'm trying to remember what the seeding was. I think they had the best record the next year. I think they were like. I think this was a 50-win team. They had a few 50-win teams with KG and just a bunch of random dudes. But I'm having trouble. I know they won like 58 games the next year because they finished with the best record in the Western Conference. But I'm going to say they won, um, I think it was 51. I'm going to say they won 51 games. 51 games, the guess? Yes. Ding. Oh, 51 games. Wow. 51 is 31 too. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> wow, dude. Mm. Oh my God! All right, uh, come on. That's come on. insane. Um, old Macadac. I told you to throw a fastball fast no, by no. old Macadac. No, no, no. <laughs> you mentioned it was the Lakers in the playoffs. Do you remember how long that series went and what mm-hmm. seed the Timberwolves were? It went six games. I can give you that. Yeah. Troy Hudson actually had a couple huge games. Like Troy Hudson was on fire in the playoffs. Um. What seed? 50 with the West was ridiculous. Like this was, I think this was the Steve Nash Mavericks teams. Spurs had still the, around. The Spurs, the Lakers, the Spurs, Lakers, Mavs. I don't think the Suns were quite I'm trying to think of who all the, uh, the Portland was always pretty good. Um, For some reason, I feel like Shaq was hurt. I'm trying to think of like, why would the Wolves and Lakers have played each other? A 51 win Wolves team playing a Lakers team, um, but the West was so loaded. I'm going to say the Wolves were a five or a six seed in this. For some reason, I think the West was so stacked. Why do I think they were a six seed? So that, I'm going to say they were the I'm, uh, Jody, you want to talk ahead, it out Jody. a little bit? That would have made the Lakers the three, three. seed then. They would have been, yeah. So a, a six? You're going to go with the oh, six? Oh, I'm going, yeah. yeah. That, Dude, that, that I, right don't two, I don't remember Judd's contribution. I don't remember the 2002-03 Wolves. You you give me the 82-83 North Stars, I can help you. Hockey is next week. 2002-03 Wolves, I can't help you at all. Okay. All right. all right. It's either a five or a six, I think. I'll, I'll, say, I'll say six. Six seed? Yeah. They're actually a four. They had home court okay. for this. They were a four versus they, five. Okay. They, dropped, oh, wow. they dropped game one. Then won game two at Target Center and game three at Staples Center. Yeah. Went up two to one after three games and then 
lost the next three. Whoa. Yeah, and then yeah. Kobe decided that's enough. Yeah, of seriously. <laughs> and the Wolves, the Wolves never really had anyone in because they played the Lakers back to back years. They went to the Western Conference Finals the next year, and it's like they. They didn't have anyone to guard. I mean, no one could guard Shaq, basically. Like, Tim Duncan took a couple shots. but uh, So, in fairness, no one could guard Shaq. But the Wolves were running out. They just had, like, five centers that they would just run out. They knew that they had 20 fouls to give, basically. Right. So they'd run Irvin Johnson. They they ran out Oloa Candy. They ran out Madsen, right? They were just running dudes out. Oloa Candy. Uh, you did mention T-Hud going off in the playoffs. How many points did Troy Hudson average in that six-game playoff series? Jeez, dude, these are super specific questions. Yeah, he's putting you on I spot. Put, I, he is, he's putting you on spot. I was spot. on a Twins ba- game last night in that extra innings, and I was just I and was, I'm ba- I was, I was I'm bailing big time here. Well, like I mean, I'd I, love so to help if you, I guess 26, but it's 29, I'm wrong. I mean, I, want, I'll give you. I give um, within a parameter. Sure, here, Dex. I'll give within three. I'll give within three because I think five is a little much. I feel like he dropped like 35 or 40 points in one of the games. I'm gonna say he. Uh, I'm gonna say he averaged 24 points per game in that series. Twenty-three and a half. Twenty-three and a half. Oh, so that's pretty damn good. Pretty damn good. That's very close. Twenty-three and a half that's points good, for T. Yeah, T. Hud went off. I mean, that's spot on. You round up. Declan's so really there, putting right? the screws to Phil right now. I, this I, is I, interesting to watch. I, like. I want. I, I sense there's something else at work here, and I don't know what it is I exactly. Mean, why can't you ask me just like who are the nine players yeah. who played the most on the team? Yeah, they, why are you asking for a specific? Ordinarily, I, 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 I am. I am. I'm testing you. This is this is your wheelhouse. <laughs> what was the if attendance I, at Game yes. One at Target <laughs> what, Center? Where did Target Center finish in attendance with ranking? No, in the with no margin NBA for error, <laughs> no wiggle room. What was the attendance for but, Game One? But then foreshadowing <laughs> for next week, this will be. I'll do the 86 North Stars for Judd, and he'll just be able to rattle off all these facts too. Okay, so so that. Might, that, 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 might, that, that might not be a good team right that, there. That okay. might be something that happens. Um, how about this? Neil Broughton. Four players, four Timberwolves players averaged at least double points, double-figure points that season for the Timberwolves in the regular season. Who were they? Okay, well, KG. <laughs> Troy Hudson. <laughs> Wally Zerbiak had to have. Is that a guess? No, it's a final answer. Yeah, Wally. Wally. <laughs> That's three. So I need one more. Just double digits, huh? Double digits. Oh, my God. That team was so obscure. So it was Wally, KG, Troy Hudson. Who was their other point guard? This is before Cassell. Yeah. It was after Terrell Brandon, I think. Um, I feel like Troy Hudson was like their sixth man, and then he was starting... This uh, is before Marco Yarich. That was a way after all. This. They wouldn't have had another big man. Who was a wing player? Oh my god, dude! I gotta get. I gotta cut the uh, like. Who wants to be a millionaire? Background music just for the just for a little bed for this. I wish I could ask. I wish I could. Talk can you phone this a friend? Want to phone a friend? Just a little bit here. Yeah. Yeah. Can phone, we phone? Can phone you phone John, a Wolves? John, a Wolves friend? John Krasinski. Who would have covered the? No, Jerry's a go-to probably, or Steve Ashburner, or Ash, yeah. Yeah. Ash would know for sure. So I'm trying to think of who the big men were. I mean, there was a Rosho Nesterovich era in there. There was, uh, at one point, I think Olawa Candy was the next year. I don't know if he would have averaged 10 points. It had to have been a wing player. So I've I've given you Wally, Malik Seeley, when did he die? Earlier. Was that O two O three? He died. He died right after I moved into my house. So it was was two thousand. Two thousand. Yeah. Okay. So he was gone by now. Dude, I I am. 
I'm struggling here. I'm just going to throw out a random. Um, I don't know if I can even name anybody else. I, I'll say, uh, God, I, I, I honestly got have no idea. I don't have any idea. Okay. I give up. <laughs> wow. Rasho. I don't. Rasho oh, averaged 11, 11 points uh, per game. Rasho Stair. I was actually, I was maybe going to guess him. I should have just guessed him to guess a player for the theater of it. All right. Um, obscure is correct about this team, by the way. It is. It is very obscure. Mm. Just some random also like facts about this team that I find absolutely hilarious. So they were they attempted the most two point field goal attempts in the NBA that season. They were first. Of course. They were twenty seventh in three point attempts. Because of Anthony Peeler, they were sixth in conversion rate. So like they yeah, barely a, took a, yeah, he, any threes, but when they took them, they yeah. they absolutely nailed them. So it's super hilarious. Just a really random, ridiculous. Flip team. Saunders, man. Flip Saunders running all those, like all of the action that Flip Saunders ran was to get open eighteen to twenty footers, and mm-hmm. it, you know, and the the Kings were like that too. I mean, the Wolves and the Kings were kind of clones where they had the multifaceted, yeah, you know, twenty foot jump shot big man Chris Webber. Uh, they had point guards who could who could shoot from ten to fifteen feet, coming off screen and roll. By the way, uh, Byron Buxton officially placed on the injured list. Oh, so not that's that fun. That was shocking, but that's, that's cool. It's official. So, nice. all right. That's random, random season recall that's random season right recall. there. All right. Not terrible. I f- not no, terrible. no good, but I felt like it was specifically very difficult this week. And, like, I can't really participate because I don't remember those te- that team at all. Like I said, North you Stars. You don't remember how many points per game Troy Hudson had yeah, come in on, the man. Uh, first round of the playoffs. 2002-3, <laughs> was I in Green Bay by this winter covering the uh, – Covering the Packers too, I don't even remember. It's probably all a blur. Garb, I was probably at, at the bar. Yeah. Well, you could say that about pretty much any situation that you're in. You were probably two thousand two three. I was probably at the bar way more than I am now. Good for you, you know, post pandemic, I I keep it home. Good for you. I stay at home a lot. Yeah. Antisocial. Right. I don't really talk to people anymore. anymore. Good stuff today, boys. Good stuff. Tomorrow, some write that down predictions and an accountability session. And uh, don't forget to download the Score North app if you want the central hub for everything we do here and Judd's written work as well. We'll see you guys tomorrow. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone.